0: we're going to continue with our creed series we're gonna recite the creed together so i want to encourage you in your living rooms get active and recite it together as we are going to be uh, transitioning after that and uh, i want to encourage you that the the creed is something very significant it's expressing truth and i want to encourage you to say it out loud as we do it together not just watch it because as you declare these truths they are starting to bear fruit in your life Reciter. Well, I hope you've joined in from your living rooms. So we're going to transition over to Dan. Dan, it's an absolute pleasure to um, have you on the team. We're so thankful for your gift. And as we've said many times before, we can't help getting excited and passionate about Jesus every time you speak. So we love you. We thank you for the way that you serve uh, us so well with your teaching gift. And uh, we look forward to what God's going to bring through you this month. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Walter. Really appreciate it. It's great to see so many of you, and uh, you're very, very welcome, particularly if you're, you've connected for the first time and uh, you haven't been to Life Church before. Massive, massive welcome. Uh, we're in the middle of a teaching series at the moment on the Nicene Creed, and uh, this week we are looking at the section of that creed, which we've just recited, that says, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to be talking about baptism today. And uh, kids, if you're uh, there, I wonder whether you might... Uh, enjoy the chance here to uh, to maybe grab a sheet of paper and draw what you think it looks like for someone to be baptized okay so some of you may have seen a baptism before some of you may have not why don't you grab a sheet of paper and have a go at drawing what does it look like for someone to be baptized and uh, what we need to realize is that the beliefs that are summarized in the creed that we recite and rejoice in every week um they are actually they're not just things that can be ticked off they're actually things that need, we need to respond to in some way. And so this week, we're looking at what does it mean to respond to a number of the truths that we've been confessing week in, week out, where we don't just believe them in our minds, but we say, I'm going to do something to respond to them. And uh, that's true with a lot of beliefs in life. There are certain beliefs that you can hold that don't really require a response. So if you take the belief the blue whale is the largest mammal Unless you happen to study blue whales at a very high level, that's probably not going to affect your life much. You're probably just going to go, oh, that's interesting. Blue whales are the largest mammals. However, if you believe that your house is on fire, that's going to require some kind of response. You are probably going to do something in response to that belief in a way that you wouldn't for the idea of a blue whale being the largest mammal. And the creed is like that. And the truth that the creed summarizes is like that. There are truths that we've been confessing that instead of us just sitting there going, oh, that sounds interesting, we confess them and we go, wait a minute, that's a truth that means that I need to respond in a particular way to it. And uh, today we're going to look at a passage from Acts 2, which helps to illustrate this. So if you've got your Bibles, you can open up in Acts 2, and we're going to read verses 37 to 41. This is a, an account of the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on the early church, and the Apostle Peter preaches the gospel to thousands of people and then thousands of people respond. And as you read through Peter's sermon in the chapter, we don't have time to read all of it, you'll notice that he ends up highlighting a whole bunch of uh, truths that we've been confessing in the Creed. He highlights the fact that Jesus has lived. He highlights the fact that Jesus died. He highlights the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. He highlights the fact that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He highlights the fact that Jesus has given the Holy Spirit. But at the end of his message, the, the hearers ask what must we now do and we're going to read this in order to find out what the answer Peter gave to that question what must we now do in light of this truth that we've just heard so we're going to read Acts 2 verses 37 up to 41 so let's read the word of God together now when they heard this that's the crowd they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do and Peter said to them repent That's quite a by any standards, quite a successful evangelistic message where you get 3,000 people responding. I think you would agree that's a successful evangelistic message. But the crowd ask when they hear the gospel, when they hear the good news of Jesus, they ask, What must we do? What must we do? And that kind of begs the question, Why do we need to do something? Why is the good news of Jesus something that means that we actually need to respond to it? And Peter's answer actually helps us because did you notice in verse 38 he says repent and be baptized we're going to talk about that every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit peter realizes we need to respond to this message because one of our greatest needs is to be forgiven We need to have our sins, the things that we have done to offend God, not in the sense that he kind of says, oh, I'm offended at that, but in the sense that we have wronged him. We have not worshipped him and honoured him and loved him in the way that we should have. All of those things require forgiveness. There's a relationship that's broken and that relationship needs reconciling. And so we need forgiveness. It's a fundamental human need. And in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus, forgiveness is provided. That is just the most amazing news, that one of our biggest needs, the need to be reconciled to God and forgiven, is provided in the message of the good news of Jesus. And if you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you may be experiencing crushing guilt at some of the stuff that you've done in the past. And you think, goodness me, how on earth could God ever want to be with me? And the good news of the gospel is God says, I've forgiven you. I have forgiven your sins as you came to know Jesus it's glorious it's amazing we don't need to live under oppressive crushing guilt because God has forgiven us and if you're today you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus yet the good news is you can know this forgiveness if you're aware of so many of the ways in which you've not just failed God but you feel like you failed yourself and your family and your friends you can know the reality of the forgiveness of God over your life today And the good news is as we respond to this message and we're going to look at how we respond in a minute we can receive forgiveness we can receive the the slate being wiped clean that's what forgiveness means it means you're you're let off god doesn't have a list of the wrongdoings that you've done anymore he has cast that aside because he has forgiven it which is amazing so peter says you need to respond because you need forgiveness but what does he say you need to do in order to respond to this message well, he tells us in verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, repent and be baptized. And as you read through the book of Acts, which is um, the, the following chapters of this book, you realize that when the good news is preached, the response is to repent, which means to turn away from your old life and to turn towards God. Something that's not mentioned explicitly here, but that Peter's assuming, which is faith, which means you trust in Jesus. You say, I'm trusting you and not myself. And baptism. And actually, that's the response that the truths that we've been looking at in the creed require of us to repent, to turn away from our old life, to follow Jesus, to put our trust in Jesus, to have faith and to be baptised. And faith and repentance, actually, when you look at the creed, you can kind of say, well, they're responses that are assumed. I mean, we are confessing, I believe in one God. I believe. I believe. And repentance is assumed as well, that we turn away from our old life and turn to Jesus. But the creed focuses on baptism, and that's what we're going to focus on today. And we're going to ask ourselves three questions to do with baptism. Firstly, what does baptism involve? Secondly, when do you get baptised? And thirdly, why do we get baptised? So, kind of, what when and why that's what we're going to look at today and let's ask the question first of all what does baptism involve what is baptism like what does it actually look like and i've got a kids you might want to look up if you're not looking at the moment because there's some uh, a bit of playmobil from my daughter zoe i didn't ask to borrow this so i hope that when she sees this on the screen she's not going to be too annoyed this is a kind of a, a, a bit of water kind of represents what we might call a baptism pool or you could take any large amount of water now baptism literally means to immerse yourself in water, or to immerse yourself in something. So if someone is baptized, let's say this figure is getting baptized, they will immerse themselves completely in the water and then come back up again. And that symbolizes so many different things. And we can see that that's something that happened to Jesus. So in Mark 1 verse 10, it speaks of Jesus' baptism, and it says, when he came up out of the water. If you're speaking of someone coming up out of the water, it suggests that there's quite a lot of water involved. And so we would say that with perhaps a few exceptions for for circumstances such as health reasons and so on, we would believe in baptism in full immersion, which means you go fully under the water and then you come back up again and you come up absolutely dripping. And as we'll see, it's an amazing symbol. It speaks of something really powerful. But that's what baptism looks like. That's what baptism involves. But the second question we're asking is, when do you get baptized? So we've we realize we need to respond to the gospel if we believe this message that we've heard we need to respond and part of that involves baptism but the question is when do you get baptized well let's reread the same verse we've reread re- read a multiple times peter said to them repent and be baptized peter doesn't say repent and then seven years later when you've been a good enough christian you might just about get to the stage where you're good enough to be baptized he says repent and be baptized in other words it's the start of the journey of following jesus that's what peter's assuming is that repentance faith and baptism is the beginning of the journey of following jesus but i think for for various reasons some of which are good but some of which are just i think we've just over the centuries and years perhaps made a separation between the idea of repenting and putting your faith in jesus and getting baptized We can think of baptism sometimes like the end of first year exams when you sign up for a course. Think, right, I've signed up for my course, and at some point I'm going to do the end of first year exams before I then move on to second and third year. And uh, to be honest, that's kind of the way I think I grew up thinking about baptism. I was baptised quite a bit later than um, when I decided to give my life to Jesus. Now, obviously, I was a a kid, and so there is some wisdom involved in terms of when you've got a very young child wanting to get baptised. I think there's some wisdom involved in making sure that they're ready and so on to follow Jesus. But I don't think I'm unique. I think that a lot of Christians can grow up with this understanding that baptism is a little bit like end of year exams, that you do it at a stage when you feel ready. You might feel ready to follow Jesus, but you need to wait quite a while before feeling ready to be baptized. But the truth is Peter and the New Testament and the teaching of the good news of Jesus is that baptism is much more like enrolling on a course. It's when you turn up on the first day to the course that you're going to be on and you get a certificate that says you have signed up to do this course. It's not the end of first year exams. It's the beginning of the journey. So the answer to the question, when do you get baptized, is you get baptized when you're ready to follow Jesus. That's what Peter seems to assume. And so if you're here today and perhaps you've not been a follower of Jesus so far and you're thinking, you know what? Perhaps you've been connecting for the last few weeks, and you think I I believe this message now. I would love to encourage you to get in touch, and we can work. We can talk with you about what it requires, what it means to follow Jesus, and we can get you baptised. And if that's you, and you're you're here, and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I would encourage you. There's multiple ways in which you can get in touch. One of them is nice and straightforward. You can find my name in the chat, which is Dan Hater. and you can pop if you just pop your mobile number and your name or your email address, I would love to get in touch with you. Um, alternatively, you could email us, hello at wearelifechurch.uk. And we'd love to get in touch with you to help you as you start this journey of following Jesus. It'd be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing to start that journey with getting you baptised, immersed in water to symbolise a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about? That'd be such an amazing start to your journey of following Jesus. So get in touch if that's you. But I would imagine that perhaps for a number of us, perhaps you've been following Jesus for years, maybe, and you've not been baptized yet. And there might be a number of reasons for that. And I think for some of you, it may just be that it's not necessarily something that you've ever got round to. And as you're listening to this, you're thinking, I need to, I'm I'm suddenly realizing I need to get baptized. I've neglected this part. But you're almost thinking, but does that mean I haven't been a Christian for this long? What will people say about me? I've been, I've been in Life Church for a long time. Will people think, oh my goodness, that person hasn't been baptised, how terrible. Can I just comfort you and say that if that's you and you're thinking I need to get baptised but I've been a Christian for quite a while, no one is going to judge you, including God. Rather, the complete opposite. We are going to rejoice. We are going to say, well done. Well done for taking that step of obedience. God is going to abs- go absolutely crazy with joy. He's going to love the fact that you are taking that step of obedience. So can I encourage you, if that's you and you're feeling, I want to get baptized, but I'm just slightly concerned that I've been a Christian for a while and what will people think of me? We will applaud when that happens and we will say well done for taking that step. So if that's you, I'm going to talk about a practical way in which you can go ahead with that in a minute, but that might be some of us. For some of you, you may actually have been christened as a baby. And maybe you've been christened in an Anglican church and then confirmed. And as leaders at Life Church, um, our conviction from Scripture is that the Bible teaches that baptism is something that is for those who put their trust in Jesus. And so we wouldn't teach uh, baptism of babies because we believe that someone needs to make a decision for Jesus. And so we, that's not something we teach. And so we'd want to try, if that's you, we would want to uh, convince you from Scripture. That we feel that it would be great for you to get baptized as a believer. That said, if that is the case, and we do have some people at Life Church for whom their conviction and their conscience—they've prayed it through, they've read scripture, and before God, they've come to the conviction that they don't feel conscience-wise that they could get baptized as a believer because of the, the fact they've been christened. Um, christened, and we respect that. If that's a decision that has been come out of conviction of prayer. We honor and respect that. We will try. And we will spend the rest of rest of our lives trying to convince you to do otherwise. But we will respect you in that decision. That said, can I encourage and challenge you? Please don't let christening be an excuse. So for some of you, and I know there are a number of people for whom that's a conviction before God. They've prayed it through. It's what they believe genuinely from Scripture. But don't use it as an excuse. If It may be that the reason that you don't want to get baptised is actually, you think, I was christened as a baby, my parents may get really angry if I now decide to get baptised as an adult. Can I encourage you to not let the idea of conviction be something that you can hide behind, but to actually say, actually, if you believe from Scripture that baptism is something that you need to do, then can I encourage you to take that step of courage? God will not overlook it. God will... God will say, well done. We will say, well done. So there we go. So I think if it's a genuine conviction, we love you and honour you. We'll try and convince you to do otherwise, but we will love you and honour you and accept that decision. But can I just encourage you, don't let it become an excuse for hiding something else. It may be that it's actually something that you are scared of doing out of fear of what others might say. And if that's the case, we would love to chat with you, pray with you, help you to work that through. So please do get in touch if that's the case. For some of you, it may be that the the idea of taking the step of being baptised is just too terrifying. It might be for a number of reasons. It may be parents' expectation, as I've said. It may be that some of you come from a background um, where actually if you were to get baptised, you realise the huge relational cost that would be to your family. This would be the case if perhaps you come from a Muslim background and you realise if I get baptised, my family will disown me. And we recognize the cost that is involved in following Jesus. And just as I've said, if that is you, we would love to pray with you. We would love to talk with you. We would love to help you as you make this decision to follow Jesus. We would love to do that. And can I just encourage you to pray to God? If that, if, if that is you and you are feeling the, the gripping fear of saying, I, I just feel fear of what other people might think. Can I encourage you? Ask the Holy Spirit to help give you boldness in the midst of that and he will he's a good god he will do that for some of us it may actually be that we've just neglected being baptized and we just think you know what i don't think it's that big a deal and some of you you may have actually experienced a little bit of a ceiling in your relationship with god you think well i love jesus i follow him but i don't really want to get baptized but you know what if you were to pin me down i'd say that my walk with god has not actually been that strong recently And if that's you, I just want to read a verse from Acts 5. It's an interesting verse. Acts 5, verse 32 says, We are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. It's a fascinating verse. There's something about when we trust Jesus that leads us to obey him. And if you're here today and you're thinking, you know what, my walk with God is actually not doing that well, and you haven't been baptised, it's quite possible that God may well be in his grace withholding some of the blessing that can be yours because you've neglected obeying him in this area. And the solution for that is not to feel guilty, not to get introspective is simply to say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm going to take the step of obedience and get baptized. And I can promise you as you do that, he will let you know his presence and his love with you in a way that you may not have experienced so far. So can I encourage you? There may be many reasons that we feel uncomfortable with getting baptised. Can I encourage you, if that's you, don't just neglect it. Get in touch. Have a, have a chat with us. Talk with us. We'd love to pray with you and walk you through this. And I'll explain just in, in a minute, very, very briefly, how you can get baptised. But we've answered the question, when to get. Uh, sorry, what does baptism involve when to get baptised? which takes the bulk of it. And now very quickly in a couple of minutes, why do we get baptized? Now we're going to look at a lot of different reasons why we get baptized throughout this week in the daily devotions. So I'd encourage you to tune in for that. But on the one hand, why do we get baptized? What does it do? On the one hand, the act of baptism of going underwater and up doesn't do anything in and of itself. It's not like you could accidentally get baptized by going to the swimming pool. You can't push someone in and go, ha, I've tricked you into being baptized. You're now a follower of Jesus. That's just not how it works. That said, when someone makes the decision to get baptized because they've repented from their sins and they're doing it as an act of trust in God, something really significant goes on. And here are just a few ways that the New Testament speaks of baptism. We're just going to really quickly reel them off and we're going to get to dig into them a little bit more this week in the daily devotions. One of them is it speaks of dying, being buried and rising with Christ, which is pretty much what goes on physically You go under, you're dying, you're being buried, your old self is dying and you are being raised to new life. Romans six verses three to four says this, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. If you've been baptized into Christ, it speaks of dying, being buried, your old life is gone. You're dead to your old life. When Satan comes and whispers in your ear and says, you know what, you're still the old you. You can turn around and say, I've repented, put my faith in Jesus, been baptized, received the gift of the spirit. You're lying, Satan. I've died to my old self and now I'm alive to God. It's a glorious, amazing truth. It also speaks of imitation. Jesus was baptized. So in a sense it's natural, but we as his followers would get baptized. It also speaks of us being washed from our sins. Acts 22 verse 16 says rise and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name there's something about baptism that symbolizes the fact that we've not just been forgiven but our sins have been washed we're pure in God's sight it also speaks of the whole of us belonging to Jesus so when Peter says that you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ what that means is you are then under his reign and his rule and isn't it interesting that Baptism involves the whole of us going under and the whole of us coming up. And it's a way of saying there is not a single part of me that Jesus is not the Lord over. And that's such an amazing reality. But just to finish, baptism also speaks of coming into the family of God. And it's amazing that we are speaking today of obviously Father's Day and remembering God as our father. Galatians 3 verse 26 uh, to, uh, to 27 says in christ jesus you are all sons of god through faith for as many of you as were baptized into christ have put on christ baptism also speaks of coming into the family of god and so can i encourage you if you have put your faith in jesus if you're a follower of jesus you've been baptized you've uh, you've put your trust in him rejoice in what your baptism symbolizes. It means you've died and you're now alive to God. It means you're an imitator of Christ. It means your sins have been, uh, it speaks of your sins being washed away. It speaks of the fact that the whole of you belongs to Jesus and no one can snatch you out of his hands. And it talks about the fact that you are a son of God and you belong to his family. It's amazing. If you're here today and you haven't been baptized, we are thinking through very practically how we can make baptism work in lockdown. And we think that in most cases, we would be able to make it work. So if that's you and you want to get baptised, there's a nice and easy way practically of responding to this. There's going to be an invitation that comes out at some point relatively soon to join a back to exploring baptism course on the 5th of July on Zoom. And if, the, if you would love to get baptised, why don't you click on that invite and say, I'm in. I want to find out more. I want to take that step of obedience. God will honour that. We will all say well done, we'll cheer, there will be joy in heaven as you do that. It's going to be amazing. But let's, now let me just, um, I don't know how we we do time-wise, but I'll pray for us and whatever we do to respond, let's make sure we remember those of us who have been baptised into Christ are part of the family. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God, you're a son of God and he has bought you. So Father, we thank you for your good news. We thank you for the fact of, uh, that as we respond to the gospel, you forgive us, you cleanse us, you invite us into the family. And Father, I thank you for the amazing reality of baptism. And I pray that we would see people baptised as a result of your word speaking into people's lives today. I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. I pray for those of us who have been baptized, that we would learn to delight in the reality of what that symbolizes and what that speaks of. And I pray for those who haven't, I pray you would bring conviction and faith and joy to say, I'm going to go for it. I want to get baptized. I want to show that Jesus has the whole of me and that I love him. And so Father, I pray you would work in people's hearts. And as we respond now, that you would help us to know your presence with us in Jesus name. Amen.